Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila and say, oh. This week on Splash and Margaritas, it's Sarah Herman, starving to strong on Instagram. So you know I had to reach out. She's all about balanced living. She's recovered from anorexia. And I wanted her to share her story of recovery. She did get treatment and now she helps others. I did not get treatment. And even though I don't abuse my body anymore, I'm still not there mentally. So cannot wait to have this conversation. And Squats and Margaritas is now brought to you by my favorite water, Flow Alkaline Spring Water. They have collagen water. They have all different flavors, but no sugar and no calories. Go check them out at flowhydration.com and use Squats and Margaritas 20 for 20% off your order. Here is my episode with Sarah Herman. So nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for your page and everything that you do. Um, I obviously found you with your Instagram handle starving to strong. I was like, uh, me too. (laughs) Same. I I seriously questioned that when I first made it, I was like, are people going to see the word starving and like, I don't know, but it seemed to work out. (laughs) It brought me in and it brought your huge following in. Women don't want to feel alone. And I feel like so many women don't share their stories and I get it because I didn't share mine until very recently when I was, far removed from all my eating disorders. So I wanted to just get into all of it. You talk about living with balance, like our brands and our mottos are so aligned. I'm so excited that you're here. Share your story and how you got to kind of where you're at now. And then I'm going to need you to kind of guide me to where you are now. Cause I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, it's quite a long story, so I'll try to pare it down as much as I can while still giving, um, enough detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess just kind of like my childhood, I grew up, um, playing sports. I was very, very active as a kid, um, played soccer for 18 years of my life, um, had a very normal relationship with food, like didn't even think about food. Um, just kind of ate when I was hungry, you know, normal relationship like most people have. Um, and it was going into my senior year of high school. I went to the doctor for a physical as I did every year. And again, I had never really like thought about trying to lose weight or like, like weight had never been a thing on my mind. And I went to the doctor, thought weighed, and saw a weight that I had never seen before that was heavier than I was expecting. Um, and got a couple reactions that were kind of like, I mean, not like, Oh my gosh, you're so heavy, but just kind of reactions that were like, Oh wow, that's heavier. Um, and so I took that very internally and I wasn't happy with the number that I saw. And so it started out very innocently. Um, I just wanted to lose a couple pounds. Um, and I grew up with a mom on Weight Watchers. And so I kind of understood the idea of cutting back on calories and kind of watching what you eat. So started doing that again, very innocently, um, just kind of started to pay attention to food a little bit more. Um, I did have a calorie goal at that point and I was hitting it. I wasn't really changing it that much. Um, but I started to see results. I started to drop weight. Um, and I wouldn't say it happened super quickly, but over the next like year, year and a half. So getting into my freshman year of college and then also going into my sophomore year, we had dropped down to a weight and a calorie amount. Um, that was, not healthy by any means. Um, again, it wasn't concerning to me. I was happy with the weight I was losing. I thought 
I looked better. Um, and I was going to the gym every single day to burn off way more than what I was eating. I would not leave the gym until I had burned a specific amount of calories that I knew was going to be way more than what I was eating. Um, and it got to a point where I was, um, in my sophomore year of college, I had rested sorority. Um, but I wasn't happy and I kept thinking, you know, the lower the number on the scale went, the happier I would get or the thinner I was, the happier I would get. And that just wasn't correlating. And I was, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Why am I not happier? I spent all day in bed, mostly because I didn't have the energy because I wasn't fueling my body. So yeah, I, I just, I wasn't living. And when I was, I was faking it. Um, and so I finally admitted to myself that something was wrong and that I needed help. When you finally were like, I need help. What was there something that. So I, you know, and I think this is going to be different for everybody. Um, for me, there has always been, even at like my sickest point, there has always been a part of my brain that knew what I was doing was wrong. Despite the fact that like the ed part of my brain was smaller, it was so much stronger, but there was still that tiny portion way in the back that was like, this isn't right. Or you're, this is not healthy or, you know, you, you do need help. And I think I just, I, I hit a very low point. Um, so along with my eating disorder came like depression, anxiety, which I'm sure, um, accounts with a lot of people. Um, and so I hit a really low point, um, to the point of wanting to hurt myself, trying to hurt myself. And I think it, it snapped. And I was like, that part of my brain is right. Something needs to change. And I wasn't going to do it on my own. I, there was, I couldn't. And that's my true belief. No one can do this on their own. Um, and so I seeked out help. I saw a psychiatrist and a dietitian for about six months. I never went inpatient. Um, because my parents threatened to take me out of school and put me in a hospital and that scared the hell out of me. And I was like, no way in hell am I not graduating on time? Am I not doing this? So, um, and got to a point where I thought I was better. You know, the holidays really helped. I ate a little bit more around the holidays. So that kind of got my weight up a little bit. And then once I saw my weight go up, I was like, I'm fit. I'm better. I'm fixed. Yeah. Um, little did I know that that is not <laughs> how you recover. Yes. Weight restoration is a huge part of it, but it's not everything. Um, so stop seeing my psychologist, my psychiatrist and my dietitian, and went about my life. Um, and I was okay for a while. I, I did live life fairly normally. Um, I think I was a little more aware of food than I have been like in my childhood, just because after living for two to three years, counting calories so tightly, it's really hard to just drop that. Um, so I was okay. I, I got a boyfriend um, who's now my husband and like lived life for, I would say a couple of years. I graduated college um, and and I think it was, yes, 2015. Um, so I was about a year out of college. My husband proposed. So, so happy, like greatest day. Um, and of course, with the proposal, though, comes planning of the wedding and stress of fitting into your wedding dress, being your best self on your wedding day, which best self usually resorts to thinnest self, which yeah. is so sad. 
Um, but that was kind of the mentality I had around it. And then there was also a ton of stress around the planning itself, um, family stress, just lots of arguments, things like that. Um, and so that kind of like snapped in me and looking back now or snapped me, um, looking back now, I see that a majority of the cause of my eating disorder is a need for control, which I feel like a lot of people can resonate with as well. I didn't know that thing. So for me, it was just, you know, okay, I'm just dieting to look good on my wedding day and to fit into my wedding dress. But behind that was this need for control. Everything felt so chaotic and I felt like I wasn't able to do anything about it. And so the one thing I could do something about was what I was consuming and how much I was exercising. So, um, got back into it, started counting calories again, again, started out with a pretty, I mean, a higher number of calories, if you can say that. Um, and it dropped a lot quicker this time. I, um, got addicted to how much control it gave me. And honestly, it never felt like it was low enough. Um, and then my weight started dropping and it went on that way past my wedding. Um, I got past the day I fit into my wedding dress. Um, and that wasn't enough. I still wasn't thin enough. Um, and so I continued and about a year after our wedding, I hit a number on a scale, which kind of takes me back to the beginning of my journey. I hit a number on a scale that I had never seen before, even in my previous eating disorder phase, it was lower than I had ever seen. And that scared me. And of course, I now have a family of my own, my husband. I don't, ha- I don't have children, but he is my family and I am responsible to him. And I could not put him through this anymore. It was affecting our relationship. It affected my relationship with my entire family, with my friends. And again, that, that portion of my brain that was like something's wrong became louder. Even if it was just for a day, it became louder. And so I reached back out. And, um, that's when I started kind of this treatment, um, officially again, went back to the same psychiatrist and found a new dietitian and, um, again, never went inpatient and that started in 2017. And then I started my account in 2018. So the very beginning of my journey is not documented on starving to strong, um, it was hard as hell and I wish I could, um, I mean, maybe go back and start then because I know so many people struggle with that very first part, but that's kind of my story. And yeah, I started starting to strong to kind of document most of my recovery journey and just share openly that this is not easy. You can't do it alone, but I'm here and I've gone through it and let me help you. And hopefully I, I can so help so many people and you just sharing your story. Thank you. Like I just, if someone hears this today, we have even more in common than I thought. Um, I'm just nodding the whole time that you're talking. Did you only struggle with anorexia? Yes. Okay. So I, mine kind of evolved and they started around the same time. Um, I played soccer since I was four and for me, soccer was everything. And I'm a firstborn perfectionist. Um, so I ended up getting a division one college scholarship to go play soccer And in high school, I was captain. I never came off the field. And then I got to college and I wasn't playing. And I guess I should start in high school. I struggled with anorexia. And it was, um, like you just said, you equate thin with being more in shape. So I would run and run and run trying to be skinny for soccer. 
And once at one point during my junior year, the coach was like, your crosses are not strong anymore. Like you're losing a lot of strength in your legs. And I was like, Whoa, okay. So now soccer is questioned. So maybe I need to do something. So then it evolved into exercise bulimia, which is like what you were describing. I would count, I had little note cards and I would put down every calorie and I wasn't going over the calories, but I would go and work out the exact amount of calories that I ate. And I'd be like, I'm eating, but I would just go and work it out. And I would just stay in the gym, just like you did. Um, so then I get to college and I trained obsessively all summer, came in and won all the fitness tests and everything and was expecting to play. And when I didn't, I quit my sophomore year and writing my book and looking back on it. When I lost that soccer identity, I was, I mean, depression, um, I fell into bulimia and I was bulimic for 10 years. And it was like, you were saying, I didn't have anything anymore. Everything just felt out of control, but I could control binging and purging. And it was so, um, just like secretive and shameful. I didn't want anybody to know what I was doing. Um, so, I mean, it lasted for 10 years. I never got treatment. And there were times where I knew, like you were saying, everything you're saying, there was something in my brain, like, this is not right. This is not okay. I was walking to get like all the stuff I could binge on at a, like a supermarket in a snowstorm, like a drug addict. Like I, I looked around like, what am I doing? Like I knew, but I was not at the point where I would admit it. Like everybody knew I was struggling. Nobody knew to what extent I just, my weight kept changing. I'd be like super, super skinny and then super, super bloated when I was bulimic, but like nobody knew I hit it. Um, and then finally I ended up moving to Virginia and I met my husband and he was a professional athlete and he was in the like best year of his career. And we started dating and my obsession about food kind of channeled into like, I got to make sure he's not cheating on me. And I would like go on all the fan sites and make sure and we're married now, but this was 15 years ago. And because people are like, how did you stop? And I seriously think me channeling that obsession into my relationship, I stopped binging and purging. And I, I haven't, it's been almost 14 years. But after that, when I was healthy and healed in my mind, because I wasn't abusing my body anymore, I lived still with restriction. Um, it wasn't, I never would say it was an eating disorder, but I would go to the gym seven days a week. You could not pay me to not work out, like take a day off do cardio. It was just like cardio, cardio. I would only eat salads, like super healthy. And I was 20 pounds heavier than I am now. And I was so frustrated every day. Cause I was like, I'm working so hard and I'm not losing weight. And a trainer at my gym was like, you need to eat more as much as you're working out. You're not eating enough. Your body has like, it thinks you're starving and you're holding on to everything. And somebody that like was anorexic and bulimic eat more. I was like, I couldn't even like, I couldn't trust that, but I did. And I started eating so much more. I figured out I was eating under eating by 900 calories a day. Cause I put it in this app and it was like, he's like, just eat and watch your body turn back on. I started eating more and then I lost the weight and then I have to watch it. Cause I know that I have the language now, like making it about a weight loss and I never got professional help, but I do live with balance to maintain my physical body. I do like, I admit that. And I know it shouldn't be about a physical body, but I just, I wrote this book to be like, I don't abuse my body anymore. I enjoy my life and I'm happy. And now I found my best self. So anyone that thinks that they can't come out of the anorexia, the bulimia, here's how I did that. And, and now I live with balance. And I actually had a, um, 
the CEO of Project Heal, um, Eating Disorder Foundation on. And she was like, if you had not lost 20 pounds, would you have written the book? And I was like, no. And she's like, that's what you need to address. And it's still, you're happy. She's like, because your fat phobia was satisfied. And now I do feel my best and happiest in my best physical body, but I have gotten there in a healthy way. But I know that still getting there and talking about a physical ideal is the problem. And I, I just not there yet. Like I, when did it finally become nothing about like your physical body or are you still on that journey too? Yeah. So I think, um, this is something that a lot of people, you know, who go through recovery are recovered. Um, I don't, so I'm trying to think of how to put this. I've always been, um, very, you know, physically driven. Like I, um, I've always wanted to look good, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but so there, there's things with that though, right? Like what is looking good? Like who determines that this body type is better than another? First yeah. of all, second of all, I also want to make it very clear that even if you're in recovery, even if you are recovered, that doesn't mean that you can never have physical goals for your body ever again. That's not what recovery means. Recovery doesn't mean that you can't want to tone your body. It doesn't mean that you can't want to lose weight because I mean, yes, I'm coming from an anorexic standpoint where I did have to gain weight to get healthier. But if you're on a binging eating disorder path or recovery, maybe that's not your protocol. And I'm not saying that losing weight is either, but it just, I don't think anyone can truly be like, or say that it's wrong to have a physical goal. Yes. At certain points in recovery, physical looks should not be your priority and cannot be your priority. But for me, I, um, I think, I think it's the mindset that you have around it. So again, for me, I am not, not physically aware of my body. I, I do things to look a certain way. But I do them, like you said, from a healthy point. I'm not constantly trying to change my body, but I do want to feel strong. I want to, and to feel strong, I usually have to put on more muscle and that's okay. And like, I, it's so hard because a lot of what you see is that it's not about your body and it, it, it isn't, it's a lot about your mindset around your body. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's focusing on more so wanting to feel strong, wanting to feel your best. And then whatever body that results in, that's when you should be happy with your body. You know what I mean? I love that. And it's, it's funny when you talk about the physical ideals, they change. And when you said who determines, because I didn't, when I was anorexic in high school, I just wanted to be stick thin. I didn't want to have a butt. I wanted, I just would want to straight up and down. And now I'm in the gym, like hip thrusts and squats, trying to grow my butt. And I want to be muscular and it does change. I don't want to look skinny. So if you're striving towards this ideal, what if that changes? And then you see like now all different body types are celebrated. Like, and it's not as like skinny. Isn't the ideal. I don't feel like as much anymore, but when I was in high school, like it was like, you wanted to be thin, but I don't, I want to be strong. And it was just like mind blowing how I finally got to my physical ideal by living this healthy balanced lifestyle. That was like the premise of my book. And I think because I shared in the book, my story, 
it got to people in the eating disorder community. And it almost was seen as like, this is how you recover from an eating disorder. And I, it's just my story. I did. And maybe I'm not recovered, but I don't abuse my body anymore. I eat all the time. I eat so much more than I did. I barely do any cardio. And I want to talk to that woman that's restricting and on the cardio machines every day, like that failed me. And so it was like to inspire someone else, try it this way. Just live, work out three or four times a week, have a cocktail. If you want a cocktail, eat when you're hungry, stop the obsessive restricting lifestyle and just watch your body change. And I feel like it's become an eating disorder manifesto, which I did not need to be like, this is what you need to do. So now I'm just trying to educate myself as much as possible about for someone that had like sought help. Cause I wasn't there yet when I was in it. I don't want my language to be the wrong. I, I just want to, I don't want to trigger anyone. And I feel a responsibility to the women that have read my book and reached out to me and said, you're the first person I've told that I was bulimic and that I don't trigger them or cause them to like relapse with my language. Yeah. And it's tough. And that's something I battle every day. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to not trigger anybody. You don't know what anyone's going through. So you know what I mean? Um, but I think that part of it is knowing that every journey is very individual. Um, so no one, even me who's been through it, like no one has the exact right protocol for every single person, um, going through an eating disorder, Although I may have anorexia and somebody else has anorexia and somebody else has anorexia, our journeys are totally different. Um, and I learned that in my recovery, working with my dietitian, she has prescribed so many different things to different people, like based on what your rules are, what your restrictions are, what, like what you do, what you don't do. All of that is so individual. And so I think it's really important for people to understand that too, about their own journey is that, um, listening to this or listening to your other podcast or any other podcast in this space, or even Instagram accounts in this space, you have to understand that people are speaking from experience. They're speaking from their own experience and to take that and understand that they're sharing that to make you understand that it's possible to get to where they are, but that your journey will not look exactly like theirs did. And to understand that, it is possible, but you are going to have to do the work and I can give you tips and tricks on like what I did. But again, this is what I did and this is what helped me. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it helps you to either try the same thing and it works or look into things that are maybe similar that could work for you. You know, like it's, it's such an individual thing. And I think that that's what listeners have to realize too, is that we're sharing our experiences as motivation, encouragement, and just to have a relatable conversation because so many people feel so alone. And I know I felt alone when I was in it. So that's the whole reason I started this podcast. I didn't want anyone to feel alone and talking to you about it. Like I, it just feels comfortable because you know, like we're both just nodding as each other's talking and talking to a professional. It's almost like you feel like, they don't, I, I don't know if they, if you haven't been in it, I think the reason I thought I was healed and I'm putting in quotes was because I know what it's like to live with an eating disorder and how it's all you think about the obsession and what I used to do to my body. And I don't even think about those things anymore. Like I am super healthy and finally in my best body and feeling great, taking care of my body. And I remember, and obviously like I lived the other way and 
because I'm so far removed from how I used to live, I felt like I beat it. Like I'm good. But I guess like mentally, because it still is about it's in the pursuit of a physical ideal. I'm not, but I don't really know anyone around me or in my life that doesn't work out, go to the gym or order what they order. That's not in a pursuit of a physical appearance or image. Me, You do? I do, I do not do any of that for a pursuit of a physical appearance. Wow. Okay, great. <laughs> well, then most of the women, like they go to the gym every day to look good. But it doesn't mean that those women have eating disorders. No. They work out a certain way to maintain their physical appearance, which is what I do, what I feel like most people do, but because of my history. I think that that's also something that... Um, it's this feeling, like I mentioned earlier, that like because you had an eating disorder, you can never have the urge to want to look a certain way again because then it's basically like you're back in your eating disorder and I don't believe that. Um, I, I I think, and I, I can't comment on your situation exactly. Um, I don't know how you live your life exactly, um, but I don't, I wouldn't say that, like what you said, everyone who goes to the gym to look a certain way has an eating disorder. That's not true at all. Um, so, but like I said, I do not work out to look a certain way. Um, yes, I, I, I understand my physical appearance. I, um, it going to the gym makes me look the way I do. Um, but that's not why I do it. I do it to feel strong. I do it because it's stress relief. I do it because it usually puts me in a better mood. I do it because I just want an hour to myself. Like I do it for all these reasons that have nothing to do with changing how I look. And I think that that is something that I'm very passionate about because I have been in a place where, I mean, it took me a long time in recovery to, and it actually took me giving up exercise, which I think is a huge part um, for some people to go through. I gave up exercise for three to four months completely, like not even walking. Um, And it was hard, but it kind of, gives you this realization of like, okay, my body's okay, not working out. So why do I work out? If my body's going to be okay, not doing it, then there has to be another reason behind why I want to move my body. And as a personal trainer now, which I got my certifications after my recovery, um, I am so passionate about sharing that with women and sharing the fact that fitness and movement should be intuitive and it should feel good. It should never be a punishment or something that you're forcing yourself to do because you think this workout is going to make you look this specific way. Like if, if it ends up making you look a certain way, okay. But if that's your main, if you do hit like hit training, for example, and you hate it, you think it's going to make you look a certain way. So you keep doing it. That is just, we've got to stop doing that because I, I used to do hit no offense to BBG. If you love BBG workouts, by Kayla, it's, you know, it's like, all, like you do you. I hated it. And I did it for a year and a half because I thought that that's what I needed to do to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't do burpees anymore because they suck. <laughs> and nobody wants to do burpees so yeah right I, mean, I just and some like I'm not saying that 
if you don't want to do them, like, don't, like, but I don't enjoy them. So I rarely ever do them because why do something that you don't enjoy? Um, and it's a lot easier said than done. And I make it sound super simple to just stop doing all these things that you don't enjoy. It took me a very long time to get to a point where I was comfortable just doing what felt good to my body. But to be at that point makes me realize that movement should be that way. Mm-hmm. And you will gain the benefits that you get from movement when you do what you enjoy. Love that. And do you think you would have gotten there on your own or do you credit like therapy? Um, How do you? So I don't think I ever would have stopped completely without my therapy and my dietitian telling me I had to. Um, and I, I do think that that played a huge role in it. Um, but I, I think eventually I could have done it on my own. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible to not do it, but I think working with someone and helping like them, helping you like talk through it and understand why you're moving and what, like what's motivating you and all of that. I always think that talking it out with someone is a lot more helpful than trying to, because if you're talking it through in your brain on your own, you've got that eating disorder or you've got that disordered part of your brain constantly weighing in and you don't have like that third party that you need to kind of be that voice of reason because you can try, but that, that disordered part is always a little bit stronger. It seems you're hundred percent right. And you're also about working out. I need that for, I guess the endorphins, like I have been quarantined for one year with a two and a five-year-old and my workout is like, for, if I go for a run is when I can like listen to music that is not wheels on the bus. And yeah. I just, I come back feeling that it's how I feel. So I, me thinking about not working out for a few months, I'm thinking about how I would just feel. It wouldn't even be, it w- I would probably have the concern about, I'd probably gain weight. I, I have to admit that, but just not being able to have that release and that I would just feel I, like anxious about it. I also struggle with anxiety. <laughs> um, not- so to touch on that too, I think, um, we always hear this quote that's like, um, running or working out is my therapy. Yeah. Which I understand. I've said it before. Um, but I think, I think we need to change it to saying working out is therapeutic, which is true. It can be very therapeutic, but there is real therapy that we can try, um, which I know is expensive and a ton of people probably can't afford. Um, but there's so many other things that are not exercising and moving our body that are therapeutic or can provide us that therapy, that release. Um, and I, I urge people, like if I were working with someone, I would urge them to try other things just to see if it helps because then you can truly take away, like figure out why moving your body makes you feel good. Like if you have other ways to release um, like stress, like for me, it's baking. I like being in the kitchen makes me happy. It's a stress relief. So yeah, I, I do move my body as part of that, but I move my body to feel strong. I move my body. Like for, I, I hope that makes sense. Like I understand that it can be very therapeutic, but I also want people to understand that it's not the only way yeah. and that it can definitely get into like a, okay, I have to run to release this anxiety when there's so many other things that you could do to release anxiety besides going and running several miles or whatever it is, you know, don't assume that you need to run to get that feeling. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, you brought up baking. I was going to ask when you started your page, when did it become, I mean, you have one of the most beautiful 
um, Instagram pages and you've got all the recipes. Like when did that um, become a, a big part of the account? Yeah. So, um, I've always loved baking. Um, I remember back in college I would bake granted it was box mixes, which are great. I love them. Um, and I would always bake them and let other, or basically give all of it to my roommate or friends or whatever. I'd never let myself eat them. Um, and then when I started this account, um, a lot of it wasn't even baking as much. It was just kind of the food that I was eating as I went through recovery. If you go all the way back to the beginning, the pictures are horrible. The feed is ugly. It's fine. <laughs> we all progress. Yeah. Um, but I think as I let myself eat fear foods, as I let myself just eat things, all the things, and I kept baking, I realized that like, Hey, I can eat this and this is fun. And then it got into, Hey, let's have more fun with it by creating my own recipes. And I was always that person that was like, I don't understand how somebody just takes a bunch of ingredients and comes up with their own recipes. Like that was daunting to me. And then I just started throwing things in a bowl and some of it worked. So, um, I think it was definitely part of my journey of rediscovering food and rediscovering my love for food. I watched this, uh, Ted talk the other day of a girl, um, who went through, uh, recovery from anorexia. And she said something that I have found to be true. And it's that most anorexics and maybe even most people with eating disorders in general do not hate food. Although that may seem like it is on the outside. Most of us love food. Yes. Yeah. And I think part of my recovery was rediscovering that love for food and how much it can serve my body and how much it fuels me and how much it makes me so happy to just enjoy good food. It is so nice. Now I eat whatever I want. Like I will order before I would order things. It was always like dressing on the side, no cheese, no sour cream. Like I didn't even enjoy it, but I felt like that's what I, how I had to eat. And I would eat like a bag of, I would eat like a bag of fat free chips, but I would eat an entire bag because it was fat free. And it was always this fat phobia. And now I'll go and get fish tacos and I'll eat them how they're prepared, like with cheese and sour cream. That's like, Oh my God, or eating regular cheese after all the years that I ate fat free cheese. I was like, I forgot what like real food. Yes. And just eating and listening to your body. I eat intuitively. So maybe I don't eat all three of the fish tacos, but I don't leave anything off and I enjoy my food now. And my entire like teenagers and my twenties, I forgot what like real food tastes like. I was had such a fat phobia. Everything was fat free, but you now know, like then it's probably has a ton of sugar, but I didn't care about anything else except fat. There's no fat when I was super skinny. And then like the bulimia, you barely even taste your food. I would just binge on everything. So just be able to come back and enjoy food again. Yes. I love food, but I went decades eating the most like bland, leaving everything off and not enjoying it. And now I did end up losing weight when I started eating normally because I feel like my body trusts me now. And it's not like, what are you going to do? Or you're now it's like, I eat all the time. I eat what I want. I eat intuitively. I stop when I'm full and then maybe I'll finish it in a little bit. And my body's like, cool. It's, it's working. Yeah. It trusts me now. So it's almost easier. It, It was so hard when I was living in that restriction and obsession and like thinking about it so much. And I was heavier and now I don't really, I just eat what I want to eat and just listen to my body. If I'm hungry, I don't like just wait till another meal. I eat when I'm hungry. I listen to my body and I kind of just found, I stay right at this weight. 
instead of being 20 pounds, um, heavier, 20 pounds lighter. Like I just, it finally trusted me again. And I don't think about it as much. I don't, I get whatever I want to eat. And again, I don't know if that's like the right message, but I don't know if it just so happened that my body ended up finding it's like homeostasis again and not, it won't work that way for everyone. But now I listen to my body. I eat when I'm hungry. I have cocktails daily. And before it was like the calories, like you had drinking was always cut, but then you would go somewhere and you'd have a drink. And then I would be like, I would go crazy. I would have like 10 drinks and just be like, I'll start my diet over on Monday. Now I have a cocktail every day and I, I don't make anything off limits. And that is what has worked for my body. Yeah. So I guess that was a premise of my book healed or not. It's just like woman who is me and was trying to cancel out all the calories and be on the um, cardio machines and only eat salads and would never have a cocktail. It doesn't need to be that way. And like I said, this is, it worked for me. It's my story, but to inspire someone to be like, no, I have to do my cardio. I was there. I get it. I would seven days a week. There was no way I wasn't going to work out. I just don't really think about it as much anymore. And then my body just kind of leveled out. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think a lot of people have experienced that. And I think a couple points around that is one, no matter what the weight is, um, whether you're losing, gaining, trying to lose, trying, whatever it is, I think that we all need to realize that when you're in this restriction phase or you're in a, like a binge phase or whatever it is, you have all these rules and you're super stressed. We need to realize that stress can do so much more to our body than the food ever could. Yes. The stress that you are putting your body under, it is, it wreaks havoc on your body, your hormones, just the way you function, everything. Stress is such a huge player in that. And then I also think that a, a big fear around people who are starting recovery or um, are just kind of in it, they're scared to that once they allow themselves to eat, something, whether it's a fear food or just food in general, that they're never going to want to stop. And that it's just going to be this constant, I need more, I need more, I need more. And I, again, can't speak to anyone else's journey, but for me, it was that in the beginning. I I was famished. My body was hungry. I had deprived it for so long. So yes, for, I don't know how long exactly, but yeah, I, I felt like I needed to eat and my body needed the fuel. But let me tell you from firsthand experience, you give your body that fuel it needs. It realizes that you're going to give it to it. And then you don't like it. It's those fear foods are no longer as indulgent or as like craveable because yes. you know, you can have them when you want them. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. Yes. That is what the whole thing with balance is like, have what you want. I was on a show the other day and they're like, well, how do you deal with cravings? Like, I know if I wait a little bit, it'll pass. Like, what do you do when you have a craving? I was like, I eat the thing. And they're like, but then it was kind of thick, but then you'll eat too much. Not when you let yourself have it all the time. Like you said, if you make it, it's off limits. Like I have a treat or something like I have them every day, like a couple times a day. You don't want them as much. You won't go crazy. Whereas before I was always on a diet and it was always like, uh, I ruined it. So you give yourself permission to just go crazy for the rest of the weekend, eat all the things, feel terrible on Monday, start over on Monday. But if you just live a balanced lifestyle, there's no starting over. It's just listening to your body, giving it what it needs. And I love that. It, it doesn't make it as off limits or as, like indulgent as it used to be. It's just part of your life. 
I would always try, like, say I wanted a cookie or something, like a brownie. I would try to have yogurt and berries. And I would try to have, I don't just like a rice cake with a little bit of peanut butter on it. Or like just all these different things to try to satisfy the brownie craving. Let me tell you, nothing is ever going to satisfy a craving besides what you're craving. So then, I mean, not that it's bad, but I ended up eating way more than I would have that I just let myself have the brownie. So, I mean, it's just realizing that cravings are not bad. Being hungry is not bad. You are not wrong for being hungry, having your stomach growl. Like hunger is natural and it only comes on when your body is like, Hey, I need a little bit more. Can you give it to me? So I think we have to get around this mindset that, you know, being hungry and wanting specific food is a negative. Like we are mad. We are human beings. We're going to be hungry. We have to fool our bodies and might as well into what your body wants. Exactly. And I, I saw a post that you did that, that hunger used to scare you. Like it used to be something, but it's, yeah, it's your body like, Hey, and that it, it, when I was in the fat free, everything I would eat probably like a whole fat free cake, like the whole thing, but it was fat free when I could have just had a piece of regular cake that would have tasted way better. Uh, yeah. You almost overeat. Like I just, would over obsess about everything. And then it's cortisol, like that stress hormone that makes you hold on to weight. And when you just live and just listen to your body, it just sounds so easy. Like just eat what you want. And I know that that's not the answer for everyone, but I feel like you're saying the same thing. Like just give your body what it needs. It will trust you again. And it will just kind of like settle down because with bulimia, my hormones were so thrown off. I was just like puffy and I threw off all the hormones in my body. Like it's so dangerous. And I, I had to like reset my whole system, but I did that by eating and it was scary at first. Like I'm going to eat more, but then I ended up losing weight, which is not, even if it's not the goal, the, the restrictive obsessive person was heavier and the person that just enjoys their life. And it's, it's not about equating it to a weight loss. It just so happened when I just lived with balance. And like, that is my message. And showing someone that if you're in it and I get it, I did it for over a decade abusing my body and you, but you can get out of it and you can find a balanced lifestyle and just seeing your page, um, balanced living, ED recovery. I was just like, this is my girl. And you have just like, you should be a, like a professional, like a therapist. So I work as part of the dietitian's company, um, as a personal trainer for those going through recovery and as a recovery coach. So if anybody needs services, I am and can give you my wisdom. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. No. Oh my gosh. Anyone that listens to this, I'm sure maybe someone that hasn't shared that they're feeling this way or going through this will feel comfortable after listening to to us be like me too and reach out to you. Do do they just reach out on on your Instagram? Um, Yeah, they can reach out via Instagram and then I can send them to where we can either sign up or schedule a 10 minute consultation call. I have those for free. So we can just kind of chat and figure out what would work best for you. So. You're incredible. And it's starving to strong on Instagram. Anything else you have coming up? Um, yeah. So I do have a little ebook all about our hormones and nutrition and fitness around our hormones and our cycles as women. Um, so it's just a short, really comprehensive book um, to just, we're not taught enough about that, about our cycles and how our hormones can really play into what we want to eat and how we want to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just kind of a really short, but all-encompassing um, book about that. I need that ebook. Um, I'm turning 40 this year, and everything is 
just different on my website. Uh, there's a link in my Instagram bio or it's starvingthestrong.com. Awesome. Anything that you want to close with, if there is someone that's listening that is still in it right now. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that it gets better. Um, my mom and my grandma always used to say, just tie a knot and hold on. Um, it, it seems really hard. And I know, especially seeing a bunch of people who are recovered on Instagram can make it seem easy. Um, because we can only share little tidbits in our captions about what we've done and stuff like that. Um, but just know you can do it and it's possible to get to where we are today. And, um, yeah, if you ever need support or encouragement, just know that I'm here for anyone and everyone. Sarah blown away, goosebumps, all the things. Thank you so much for that conversation. She told me a lot of things I needed to hear, and that's the difference. When you talk to someone who is fully recovered, got treatment, I don't know, it's just easier for me to hear things from someone who has been through the struggle. If you are struggling, please reach out to anad, A-N-A-D dot org. They have all types of resources, therapy, tools for recovering from an eating disorder. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. Please go follow her at Starving to Strong on Instagram. She's got amazing recipes. She's got a new ebook. Um, go check her out. Sarah, thank you again for being my guest. And thank you guys for listening. Please, please subscribe to the Squats and Margaritas podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.